This episode contains depictions of violence that some may find triggering or disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. reason though it's like she has like an assignment where she has to record herself singing it um okay. and there's really nowhere in my house that i can go other than this garage where both my sister and my dad during his meeting are like deafened out so i'm in the garage and it's not a nice garage guys this isn't like one of those oh mom and dad like converted this <laughs> into like our like kids lounge or it's not I- <laughs> I do see you have toilet paper and a bike. Oh, we had you. toilet paper up to Shiz house. Like, are we, you those? Are you the kind of people that have been hoarding the toilet? Are you, is that you? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you're you're the one. We're a family of five. We have five people's right. asses to have to wipe. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Um, yeah. Are we recording? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. I just was checking to see if like there are words were coming up, if your words were being recorded, and it seems uh, like it's good. Yeah, I mean, cool. We don't have to record. We could cancel again. That's no, cool. no, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> I'm gonna take a picture of you because you're you're so angry right now. Okay, one, two, three. You're so oh oh. It's like count count five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> I have been exiled. <laughs> I look like I have a beard there, yeah. like a five o'clock shadow. Uh, gold. No, I am not one of those girls that is photogenic. No matter what photo you take of them, I am. I can make some pretty ugly faces. I think every girl can. My favorite thing to look at on like, uh, did you ever go on the chive? Back chive. in the day. Nah. Uh well, it's like basically like a Reddit where they're these like really cute girls and would be like really cute and then like real derpy, <laughs> like real cute and derpy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I am not prepared for this episode at all. I'm gonna tell you that right Spectacular. now. Spectacular, dude. <laughs> I just like I like woke up just feeling fucking all kinds of just off. I mean, I'm getting things done, but like, I did. Your I did. bangs look on point, though. Thank you. Yeah, You're I, I like straightened my shit hair. It's dead. <laughs> I straightened it. It's real nice. Looks good. Thanks. Your hair looks real like curly. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm rocking my natural curls today. Yeah, I love it. It. Yeah, I like lose fifty percent of my length. When I let it go curly, it's so pretty, like one day I'll be like, "Wow, my hair's so long," and then I leave it curly, and it's like back up to my collarbones. Like, damn it! <laughs> I just want to be one of those girls that has like those that mermaid just like waves. But like as my hair gets longer, it doesn't matter how long I grow my hair out. Whenever it's curly, back up to the collarbones. <laughs> it could be down to my ass, and it just like recoils back up. I feel like there's a lot of people that like understand your plight, but like I am, I've always wanted like curly hair. Like I remember being being young and always had like like my sister, my sisters, I should say, all have like pretty curly kind of wavy hair, 
and I got stuck with like straight frizz, like mm. kind of straight, mostly frizzy. And it's just the ugliest like combination you can have. And like you the poor like- men listening in right now is like, can we fucking get to the shit? <laughs> Cut the shit. <laughs> Talking about frizz and <laughs> curly hair. You know what? Hold on. There are some men that that care and understand the plight when it comes to like hair maintenance. Not you my know? man. <laughs> my- Gavin's real low key. He's kind of blessed because he has this like gorgeous head. He has a lot of hair. He has a lot of hair, wow. and yeah, he's just he doesn't have to do much to it. So well, I always fuck him. Like, I mean, I know. Oh, you know who else? We should say that too. Like my best friend Marie. Marie has like that gorgeous oh, yeah. mermaid hair. I'll yep. be, someone will be like, "Oh my god, Marie, your hair's so beautiful. What did you do to it?" She's like, "I just woke up." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Did I show you what happened with Kaylin the other day? Mm-mm. Oh, it what? was like two days ago. Like, okay, so like Kaylin, my daughter, has like very thin hair, and I've been looking up like ways and frizzy. It's like thin and like frizz. So I was looking up like how to like uh, keep it moisturized and like how to um, thicken it up. And and I saw this thing on, on Pinterest and it was like, you should use rice water. And I'm like, oh, that sounds OK. So I use your what? Rice water. Oh, rice water. OK. Yeah. So I put like leave in conditioner, rice water wa- and then water and then like had it in this like, little spray bottle uh-huh. and it worked. It like made her hair feel really, really good. Um, But I only got to use it one time and I accidentally stupidly left the bottle in her room in an area where she could grab it. And so like that night I like went in and Kaylin was being, you know, suspiciously quiet. So I knew (laughs) something was going on, but I didn't know what. Um, So I walk into her room and there's just rice everywhere, like (laughs) on her bed. (laughs) On the ground, <laughs> literally everywhere, oh. and I, I, I just, I walked, I like walked into her room and straight walked back out. Like I did not know <laughs> how to handle it. I like look over. I, no, and, good night. <laughs> yeah, I looked over at Andrew and I was like, I'm about to explode. Like I need your help. And so he like took care of Kay and I went in and I cleaned everything up. And uh, Kaylin said, I wanted to make it snow. <laughs> oh i know it's like how can you be mad at a child when they're like oh look my at gosh them. she made it snow so damn she made it snow yeah 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 so uh we're talking about spooky stuff first right we are talking this is our um spooky episode yeah spook spooky episode yeah Sp- spooky spooky yeah um where we will talk about both paranormal and true crime right because that's what we do and uh last time i had paranormal and melanie had true crime and now we're flipping it on you guys which was apparently a really bad idea but you know (laughs) (laughs) i it's funny i just um yeah so we're kind of doing local stuff again i mean i picked something local Mm -hmm. as well Again, I'm trying to keep. I'm trying to keep me. it local, but you know, issues on my end. But yeah, okay, um, it's okay. Should we start? Yeah, should we do the same order. So well, we'll start with true crime. Yep, and then so I guess mm-hmm. go. 
Go, bitch. All right. <laughs> Get a move on. <laughs> Tell us about this shit. <laughs> That's what the dudes have been saying this whole time. Go, bitch. <laughs> Get a move on. I'll put, it in, the, I'll put it in the notes. At, <laughs> at seven minutes, eight minutes in, we start actually talking <laughs> <Yeah>. about... <laughs> True crime shit. I'll put it in the All notes. Right. It'll be in Perfect. there. Okay. Okay. Go, bitch. So the true crime story that I will be covering for this episode is the child abduction case of Polly Class. And this takes place in like my favorite town ever, Petaluma, California. And I actually lived there for a few years. Um, Gavin was like pretty much born and raised there. And his parents lived there. Love that town. It's just really great community. It's dead set on moving back. However, this horrible child abduction did occur back in 93. And this like really shocked the area because in Sonoma County, um, particularly like Petaluma, it's like a really tight knit community. It's so low on crime. It actually was like Petaluma was ranked one of like the hundred safest cities in California or right. something like that. So, I mean, even more so, I bet in the nineties. Like super safe. Um, yeah, super yeah. duper safe. Like leave your for, like, leave your door open at all times, safe. I mean, I don't know about <laughs> open, <laughs> but I mean, I did have like a childhood best friend, um, not in Petaluma, but like in Santa Rosa, mm -hmm. which is also Sonoma County, just like twenty minutes north of Petaluma. Um, her, she was of like her family. They would just like leave all their doors unlocked and their cars unlocked. Like it was just the, the neighborhood was so safe. They just never would think that something bad could happen. Mm -hmm. And like, meanwhile, my parents, like, and me, like we came from a third world country, mm -hmm. developing country, I should say. Dominican Republic is, is amazing, but um, in the metro areas, not the safest. And like my parents always make fun of them because they always have like the blinds and the, the, the curtains like drawn like they don't like letting natural light in and it like <laughs> drives me insane. <laughs> um, but anyways, so yeah, it was pretty much like that. People, you know, were pretty like much looking out for each other. It was very, very safe, very like suburban. So this is like geographically speaking, Petaluma is like 45 minutes uh, north of San Francisco. So getting into like wine country. Right. Um, so what happened was... It's Friday, October 1st, 1993. Two of Polly Class's friends, um, Kate and Jillian, get dropped off at Polly's house around 8.30 p.m. that night for a slumber party at okay. Polly's mom's. Okay. And the girls pretty much stayed just mostly in Polly's bedroom most of the night. And they're just, like, having fun and... Doing like the typical like girl slumber party stuff, like trying on outfits. Wait, how how being old were rowdy. they again? I'm sorry. Like 12, like um, middle school age. Okay. Probably okay. was 12 at the time. Okay. Um, and so yeah, so they're like being rowdy, you know, and there's like the typical like the parents checking in, telling you to keep it down. You never really do. So uh, at about 9:45 p.m., uh, Polly's mom Eve checks in and asks them to keep the noise down. Um, but she actually, so she actually had like a migraine and she wanted to turn in early. Um, so she kind of figured like these girls are young, they're out of sleep, but they're not going to keep the noise down no matter how many times I warn them. So right. she, um, takes a prescription pill to help her get to sleep fast and to help her like sleep through all the rowdiness. 
Around 10.30 p.m., an intruder enters Polly's bedroom. Uh, Kate and Jillian at first thought it was some kind of joke until they saw the knife in the (gasps) intruder's hand. He proceeded to tie up the girls and threaten that if they tried to scream or make any noise, he would slit their throats. Oh, my gosh. He just walks in? He just walked in. So just imagine this story in, like, the early 90s in sleepy Sonoma County that your daughter's just having a slumber party with her friends and an intruder like strolls in. Oh my, ah, I can't even imagine. Like can't. he didn't like, like he didn't like crawl in through her bedroom or something. He like was in the hallway and came in through her bedroom door. Right. Okay. So, so he came in, he just like waltzed into the, well, I'm going to go get myself some girls yeah. tonight. Like- I couldn't find out if, if, if um like, Polly's moms like if they were the type that they left like the back door unlocked or something right. because they were so trusting or if this guy actually forced himself in. and so we'll get to that later but anyway so this guy's just there okay oh god I hate this and yeah um so he proceeded to tie up the girls and threatened that if they screamed they would, he would slit their throats um so right away obviously they're gonna listen to what he has to tell them to do. And he started asking questions like which one of the girls lived there. And then Polly spoke up. She admitted, Oh, I'm the, I'm, I live, I live here. Oh, poor Polly. And she, uh, he assured them that he didn't want to hurt them. He was just there for money. But when Polly told him like, please just, I have some cash like hidden in this jewelry box. He like totally ignored it. And at no point he, did he make any attempts to actually look for any money? So, so it was like bullshit. It was like he, he was lying. Yeah. Yeah. He was probably just saying that to like calm the girls down and make them more like complacent. Yeah. That's exactly what he was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he gagged the girls and put pillowcases over their heads. Oh. He then grabbed Polly and told the two other girls to count to a thousand. And that by the time they were done counting, Polly would be back by that time. Oh my and then. He really had no intention of returning Polly. He just took her and disappeared. He's like just playing like this weird mind game with these these kids. Yeah, it's kind of like weird and and like kind of disorganized yeah. too because he like waltzes in there. He has a knife, but then he kind of like uses thing things at the scene like he grabs like the pillowcases from Polly's bedroom to use to like cover it. So he's kind of improvising at the same time too. And this was in 93? 1993. Dude, okay, so th- was he wearing gloves? Does it say that yet? We'll get to that. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. but um, so he's grabbed Polly, and he, the girls are told to count to a thousand. They do not wait. Smart. Thank you very much, right. Kate and Jillian. Yeah. As soon as they, like, kind of can tell that the intruder is kind of gone, they untie themselves, so they're able to, like, free themselves from the, the, the ties, and they go and wake up Polly's mom Eve and tell her what happened and of course Eve immediately calls the police and luckily the police were extremely responsive like arriving within minutes after Eve called and the investigators clearly saw that the room was like in disarray there's remnants of the girls like rambunctious fun you know like the outfits mixed in with like the evidence of the abduction so detective Mike Meese was assigned to kind of be the lead um, from the local police in Petaluma. And he couldn't find a lot of evidence that would help them lead to 
Polly's abductor, but he instinctively decided to take the rug in Polly's room where the girls had sat while they were tied up. Like his partner was like, are you sure? Like, and he's like, I mean, there's not a lot of evidence. We need to try to get as much evidence as possible. Let's just like, just roll up the rug and take it, even though they couldn't find like from the naked eye, any like clear evidence. And eventually the FBI got involved as well. They were also there kind of, they're actually there. I think they arrived by midnight that night. So everything happened really quickly. So like the authorities, they were really, they were on it. Yeah. Um, And the FBI agent, um, special agent Ed Fryer became the lead investigator, you know, representing like the FBI side. So we have detective, local detective, Mike Meese, and then special agent Ed Fryer. And they're kind of the two um, leading like roles in the um for like the police okay so most child abduction cases are the cause of disgruntled family members or like somebody in the child's life that's what they always say by the way yeah they're always like it's 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 someone that they know yeah i don't know the exact statistics but it's like astronomically it's like so common it's actually extremely rare that an abduction case is by somebody who is a stranger right And this is where things get tricky because per the two girls' account of what went down, it seemed like it was a clear case of a stranger abduction, Mm -hmm. which are exponentially harder to solve since there's like little to no link between the perpetrator and the victim. Right. Um, They did like immediately clear Polly's father, Mark. So her Polly's parents were separated. So this is her mom's house. Oh, okay. And Mark... Yeah, so there, and then Mark was her father. Right. And he arrived at the scene that night too, but they, he was immediately cleared of any suspicion because he had a pretty solid alibi and it was like clear, like the girl saw him. They knew who Mark was. It wasn't Polly's dad that took him. Okay. Um, so after about 4 a.m., the girls were taken to the station and the evidence response team were called to the house to use like the highest tech methods to collect as much evidence as possible and like, you know, high tech, like 93, you know, standards. Okay. Um, But they were able to find a palm print in the crossbar of Polly's bed that was not linked to any of the friends or family members. So they're like, all right, this one palm print. Yeah. Where he slipped up, like he might've like, as he was getting up or something, he like just like kind of leaned against the bedpost and they were able to get a palm print. Unfortunately, palm prints aren't really handy until you actually like bring someone in and are able to match the palm print right because at that time they only had fingerprints i was just gonna say like i'm like yeah Yeah. it might be a palm print but like can they really figure anything out with that yeah i think now they they take palm prints now but like back then in 93 you just had like the finger pads okay the fingerprints um in the system um so Immediately, the police and FBI conducted many searches through the town of Petaluma. I mean, there were helicopters and bloodhounds called. They were, like, also used, like, community-organized search parties. And, I mean, tens of thousands of flyers were handed out. Like, the the town of Petaluma, like, Sonoma County, even, like, the nation kind of, it was this got a lot of media buzz because it was just so like jarring. Yeah. Just the story of this. She wasn't doing anything dangerous. She was just having fun in her own home and she's just taken. Um, and I think it also like helped in Polly's case that she was this like pretty, you know, 
she was like this cute Caucasian girl too. Right. Yeah, of course. That yeah. Everyone kind of, she was like, I think at one point called like America's sweetheart and people that were interviewed in the community would say like, I didn't know Polly, but I feel like she was my own, like how emotionally invested they were yeah. in helping for the search to find her. Um, and I think actually, so I think Gavin's mom um, was involved in some way, not like she was part of like the investigation, but no, she no. like helped like in yeah. a search party or she like was one of the volunteers that like helped hand out flyers and stuff. So she remembers that time. So like, she had a hand too. in like at least like helping trying yeah. to recover her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Man, that must like be so hard for her to like, like remember back at that time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, gosh, Gavin would have been like three years old. Yeah. Like, like, you know, especially when it comes to kids. I, I mean, I understand that Polly was a little bit older, but when it comes to kids, it's, and you know, when you have kids, it's mm-hmm. so hard not to like let that affect you. So, yeah. 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 It's, yeah. It was, um, I mean, it was, it was, I think, even reached international level media attention. It was pretty wildly reported. Um, that's insane. So, yeah, so they're so they're doing all these like they're doing a lot of work to try to get as much information as possible, interviewing and kind of canvassing all the neighborhoods. Um, and they actually were able to um, get this kid. So this like kid and that lived in Polly's neighborhood. His name was Thomas. He was actually playing on the streets with friends that night, and he recalled seeing a strange man lurking around Polly's house. And he pretty much, he knew everyone in his neighborhood, at least by face. You know, I, mean, I feel like, you know, once you, you kind of like know your neighbors and you can place when someone's like, you're, you're not from around here. Yeah. Um, so he'd never seen this man before and he goes off and he keeps playing with, hanging out with friends. And then he's walking on his way back home and he sees that this guy is still, and it's like been an hour. This guy is still lurking around Polly's house. Okay. So, so this kid, like. Like he was an eyewitness of of this. Guy. He so yeah, yeah. he's he's an eyewitness eyewitness of something suspicious suspicious going on with this guy around Polly's house. Um, another guy, Sean Bush, was visiting friends who rented a cottage that was just behind Polly's house. And around ten thirty p.m., he noticed a strange man at the back porch of the house, like seemingly trying to get in through the back of the house, but he. It wasn't like his neighborhood, so he didn't know if it was, you know, their neighbors, yeah. you know, if it was actually like if that guy actually lived there or not. Or right. if he, was, he he thought it was weird, but he didn't find it like so suspicious, like neither of the neither the boy Thomas or Sean Bush reported it. It was like after the fact that they were like interviewing people asking for tips and right. they got this information. They're like, OK, so. This guy was clearly like kind of lurking and kind of targeting, stalking this house. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they start, so investigators start looking into all registered sex offenders in Petaluma and the surrounding areas. And 48 hours after the abduction, Polly's father, Mark, actually receives a call to his home. The voice sounds a lot like Polly's. And says that, and it's basically she's like saying frantically she's in a hotel somewhere and that her kidnapper had stepped out for a moment and that she didn't have a lot of time. And when the dad was like, when Mark's like, okay, like, where are you? Like, tell me, like, uh, describe like your surroundings. Then the line line cuts off. 
So unfortunately, Mark's phone had not been set up for a trace. So investigators just had to wait to see if they would get another call. Man, that was lucky, though. She probably just only had like two seconds to really like call. Like, geez, I, I'm, uh, I don't know what I would do. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, and these people, man, they got like 12,000 leads. They had like a 24-7 hour like tips hotline and they received and like followed up with 12,000 different leads during this investigation. Um, So like about a week after the abduction, Polly, so like the first call was about a couple days after the abduction. Now we're a full week after the abduction. Um, Again, Mark receives another call. And this time it's long enough to make it to, to make a trace. And the FBI traced it to a house about 30 miles away. They went and raided the house, but it was when they got there, there was something off because it was like a normal family home. Okay. There was nothing, it wasn't like in a motel or a hotel like Polly had on the phone had claimed. Right. <clears throat> and there was no sign of Polly or abductor. And as they started digging into the family that was there, they found out that one of the girls of the house confessed she had been dared by her classmates to make calls. That's messed up. I know. Oh my, I would, I'm sorry. Very mad. (laughs) Yeah, pissed, right? Yeah. Freaking pissed. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. So such, I mean, talk about like yanking your chain. Like... Uh, it, that that part pissed me off so no, much. I would I I would be like so livid. I would be so yeah. livid. Like yeah. Oh God! Sometimes kids can be such assholes. <laughs> they really can. Jesus. They really can. Like just just earlier today, I was on um, Facebook and one of my friends, who's a mom, she was like saying like I just got a call from my kids like um, school counselor calling parents warning them that there are like videos on. I don't know if it's on TikTok or social media, if they're just being sent videos of like instructions on how to kill yourself and stuff like children can be assholes and they can be bad assholes because they're dumb assholes. <laughs> like their brains, they don't are realize underdeveloped. Yeah, they're un- they don't realize the magnitude of their actions sometimes. Yeah, especially when it comes to like parents that are waiting. They're just waiting. They're just sitting oh, there waiting. God, like he probably just- all you can do. And he probably just was just so relieved to get that call. Like, like yeah. it's like that false hope of like, okay, we're yeah. going to be able to like figure this out. We're going to get my daughter back. And then it's like yeah. a, a huge slap in the face. Like, fuck those kids. Sorry, but fuck oh my those gosh. kids. Totally. <sighs> okay. Like, what the hell? So, um, yeah. So, I mean, there's so many leads and a lot of them, like, obviously, like, they're all false. I mean, the, the most that they're getting is, like, the very little ev- evidence that they're able to connect, collect from her bedroom, plus, like, the two eyewitness and a few other eyewitness accounts that really just the best that they do is just say, like, we saw this man that didn't belong in the neighborhood that was hanging around the house and that's it. And the thing is, like, no one reported it to the police because, again, they couldn't fathom that someone had some sort of bad intent. They're just like, huh. He's not from around here. Moving on. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know. Anyway, so. Um, Lock your like, doors. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if everyone knows, but um, Winona Ryder, the actress, was actually raised in Petaluma. And oh. obviously, like, 
this hit very home to her, this like missing child case. So she actually offered a $200,000 reward for Polly's safe return. And of course there was a bunch of false leads. There was someone that like called um, asking for the reward saying that they were the abductor and they, they asked for all that money to be wired before they returned Polly. They obviously traced that guy to this like apartment complex in Petaluma and they saw that he was just like fucking lying. He just, wanted to he just wanted you know, money scam what an yeah, asshole like there's a child's life on the friggin line here if there's anything that these like spooky crime episodes can like teach people is that there are shitty people out there yes yes there's a shitty person born every day oh my gosh yes yeah uh, yeah i know anyway so yeah so i mean like at this point there was like major grassroots efforts to help find her. Tens of thousands of flyers were passed out. There's candlelight vigils. People were wearing like lavender colored ribbons um, to show their support in search for Polly because lavender was her favorite color. Aww. Yeah. And just I want to speak about Polly because I think, you know, she deserves, you know, to be remembered. Like she was like a really happy like 12 year old girl she was very like musically and theatrically like inclined she like loved doing theater and she was just very a very sweet girl um so finally on november 28th so we're almost like nearly two months after the abduction the abduction happened october 1st so november 28th investors investigators finally got their first major lead dana jaffe a homeowner in Santa Rosa and her house is kind of like in the boonies of Santa Rosa, like kind of just um, not really well populated. Kind of like I'm, I'm assuming she's kind of. Um, are you, are you looking for the li- word podunk? I don't even I'm so old. I don't know what that means. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, I'm, I'm older. Ignorant. I'm older than you, by the way. <laughs> What does podunk mean? Oh man. Okay. So basically, like that, like the, that's kind of like how I grew up. I grew well, up in like a podunk area where it's like it's not, it's not so. Uh, it's not. A, it wasn't like a suburb. She didn't live in a suburb. But it wasn't she, like, quite kind of like. But it wasn't quite a suburb. It's like in between, like the ghetto and the suburb. It's like in that middle area. No, no? I had a nice house. Oh, it was like, like it was like affluent area where like people. Or on like the mountainside. Oh, for some reason I okay, I got confused. So she's so she's rich. The opposite spectrum of that. Oh, okay. So not podunk at all. So she's just bougie. No, exactly. Bougie. It's like she's (laughs) so it's um her house is off Pythian Road. Okay, and it's like very kind of like affluent boonies. Okay, people have like really nice like um properties, and it's along like the mountains. Um, so she has she had a lot of land. Okay. Um, and so she calls and so this isn't Santa Rosa is just 20 minutes north of Petaluma and she calls it in because something suspicious, like, so, you know, she noticed unusual items scattered on her property. And when, um, police arrived, they found a large piece of cloth, like a strip of cloth. I'm going to start crying, huh? Strips of packing tape. A pair of young girls' tights that seemed to have been fashioned into like to tie it like in a knot, and there was human hair in the knot. And so she's saying, like, I think this is connected to something that happened on my property two months ago, around the time of Polly's abduction. Okay. 
Um, so she recalled that two months before, on the night of Polly's abduction, Dana's babysitter left Dana's house. And I guess like there was a there's like a really long driveway from the main road to get to the actual house. So uh, the babysitter's driving down this long driveway and she encountered this man with like a kind of a beat up pinto on the side of like off to the side, kind of like stuck in the like the ditch area. Mm-hmm. And so he the guy waved her down and he was asking for help. And he's like saying like, oh, like my car is stuck. Do you mind getting out and helping me like uh, free my car? And then he started like questioning, like, what's up this driveway? Like, what's what is this? Is this a road? What's what's going on up the driveway? And she she's still in her car. She describes him as looking, quote, like a wild man. Mm-hmm. And she said something was very wrong and refused to get out of the car. And she just drove off. Right. Smart I ass would, girl. I would, too. Fuck that. <laughs> save a life yeah. say no yeah. <laughs> just say no they look if they um, look weird if you get a bad feeling your gut, trust yeah, your, your gut, gut. just mm-hmm. say no <laughs> just leave totally yeah <sighs> i saw something floating around on instagram that i thought was so great and that i want to mention like and it's so perfect for like our witchiness mm-hmm. saying no is a protection spell in and of itself just say no yes just say no yeah yeah we're so we're anyways t- sorry go ahead yeah, no, it's okay. Um, there's a there's a lot to get through. It's okay. Um, <laughs> so she drives off, right? And she, it's the '90s, so pay phones. She gets to her nearest pay phone. <laughs> <laughs> Can you remember just... when pay phones were a thing? <laughs> I don't think I've seen a pay phone in like I don't even know, like twenty. A functional years. pay phone at that because I've gone to places that they have like, um. I don't know, like glamorized payphones that actually don't serve for anything. They're just there because they're hipsters. Like they look, we have this payphone, but it doesn't work. I love it. That's so funny. <laughs> Do you like our hipster bar? We have this faux payphone. <laughs> it's like having a jukebox, but jukeboxes at least do something. It's like vintage, but make it non-functional. It's like when those people have those like rotary phones. Like as like aesthetic, oh, yeah. just like just like in their house, like for aesthetic, exactly. For, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's orange or it's yellow or it's pink. It's just- Anyone else remember those phones that were, were made of clear class plastic, so you could see all the insides of the phone, like all the mechanics of it? Oh my gosh, the shit! Well, Don't you I remember feel- those? Yeah, I'm just like yeah. I, it's been so long <laughs> since <laughs> I thought of that. So. <laughs> or when you had to like <laughs> when you were on the the computer. Like you couldn't both be on the phone or the computer at, at the, the same, same time. time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Those were the days. Prehistoric Anyways. days. <laughs> right. Ah, we're old. Anyway. Um, so Dana's babysitter gets to a payphone and um she calls Dana and warns her of this man trespassing on her land. Cause she is worried, like, oh my god, is this guy gonna go up? Because he was asking, like, what's going on up the road? You know, she goes and warns Dana. Dana, badass as she is, she grabs her daughter, puts her in the car, grabs a baseball bat, drives down the hill to investigate. She grabbed her daughter and a baseball well, bat? Because she, she figured, she's like, I don't know if the, once she received the call, the call, she's like, I don't know if this guy's almost to my house. Right. Well, she so wants like, to protect her kid. Yeah. She wants to protect herself and her kid. Yeah. And so she's like, we're getting out of the house, but also I'm going to like pass by where supposedly this guy is let's like investigate so she goes down 
And she sees the beat up Pinto, but she doesn't see the guy. And so she's like, all right, but she like just drives off um, as well because, you know, she doesn't know if this guy's like waiting for her at her house or something. Yeah, that's fucking creepy. I would not go home. I would go somewhere else. Yeah. So she um, she goes and she calls the police and Sonoma County Sheriff deputies arrived at her property around um, about midnight. Mm hmm. And they actually, by the time, so she, I guess, was, I don't know if she was back at her home or if she, like, went to a friend's or just, like, was away from her home. But anyways, she wasn't there when the deputies arrived at the this beat-up, like, Pinto that's stuck on the side of her driveway. They got there, and the trespasser is there. He's hanging out next to his car, seemingly agitated and possibly intoxicated because they smelled alcohol on his breath and he was sweating profusely Mm. he also had like bits of like leaves and like twigs and brush in his hair as if he had been like going through the wilderness Mm. maybe he had um Mm. yeah yeah Yeah. so i don't want to say it because it hurts my. the trespasser claimed that he was driving around sightseeing at fucking like 10 30 at night in october when like the sun has set like at four or something so he, he claims that he was sightseeing and when he realized he was on private property that he attempted to turn around but then his car got stuck on the side of the the driveway and um yeah so they noticed but like the leaves in his hair like so he claimed he had gotten under his car to try to release it and that's why his hair was all like messed up and like dirty with like leaves and twigs But the deputies also noticed that the way the car was stuck, there was no way, like there was no room for any grown man to fit under the car. So he's lying. They just yeah. Okay, good. At least they're smart. He's bullshitting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's bullshitting. Yeah. So they administer roadside sobriety tests, but he passes them all. And they inside his car, they found cans of beer in a plastic bag, like from like a convenience store, and a small duffel bag in the back seat. My question is, why didn't you open the duffel bag? Yeah. But like, maybe they felt like they didn't have grounds to search him I don't or something. Know, I don't know. Like, just that I feel like they would have found something straight away in the duffel bag. Mm-hmm. Um, when they asked him if he had been drinking, he proceeded to open a beer and began to drink it. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> I, like take me away for alcohol. That's fine. <laughs> Jesus. So that answers that question. I'm not, I don't know what, like, what he said. He's like, yeah, I've been drinking. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, would like, it, like, if there was something uh, in the duffel bag, wouldn't you be scared to be taken away? Because can't they confiscate whatever in your whatever's in your car? I don't. Man, I don't what know. was so he like, thinking? First of all, just like what was he, I don't. Well, he's obviously like drunk. He was obviously intoxicated. I don't know how he passed the sobriety test. I don't know. Did they not have breathalyzer breathalyzers? In no, they pro- they must have in the nineties. I feel like they must have had I something. I, don't I mean, know. they, did, they I... did the like nose thing where you like. Yeah, so they did like those physical tests, and I guess maybe he was like buzzed at that point mm-hmm. and not drunk enough to not pass us. I don't know. So, but he passed those like physical, like you know, finger to the nose thing, and um. Anyway, so um, they made him pour out the beer, <laughs> and they wanted to pat him down, and that made him like really agitated. But the deputies reminded him that they were within their right to take him to the station on grounds of trespassing. So he's like, fine, fine. You can pat me down. So he calmed down. Um, He let them search him. 
and but they didn't find anything really incriminating though they remain really suspicious they're like i mean he's odd there's something yeah there is something weird with this guy yeah like probably all their guts are saying like something's wrong but nothing is like blatantly obvious on like what's going on with this guy other than like that he's been drinking i don't know um so they um they checked out his license they ran his driver's license and it showed that his driving record was squeaky clean and they kind of figured they really had no legal means to detain him any further which i question like so did they not have a breathalyzer because it probably would have shown that he was for sure drunk and they would have been able to take him in take yeah. him in i don't know like so i guess things were things were really different in the 90s guys yeah, yeah. <laughs> um they helped him pull his car out and they sent him on his way like they i think even escorted him like to the main freeway and so that had all of that had happened two months ago from um, when Dana called in the people that she had found these like objects on her property. And when they look back at like the records of that incident, they confirmed that it happened the night of Polly's abduction. Oh my goodness. So he, he probably, sorry, I, I hit my mic. I don't know if you heard that, but he probably like, this is like where my mind's at right now. Okay. Hmm. Did he like bury her somewhere? Like he went out and he buried her somewhere or he was trying to bury her somewhere and he got like he he got I don't what's the word like caught like not caught but he got stopped from doing it like he was hoping to I don't know that's where my mind is at. I mean so okay <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you okay <laughs> gonna have to wait. I don't know how you are but- telling me this story in your freaking garage like i am i'm like i keep looking over like i'm by the okay window with true I'm- crime honestly i can handle true crime is when we get to the the like ghost shit that i'm gonna be like checking over my shoulder okay every every other second but all right so so like they're like okay this is possibly linked to the poly class um abduction so um detective meese and agent fryer were called to the scene at dana's and by the time they got there it was nightfall on November 28th, things were getting foggy and there was some rain and Mies and Fryer recalled just like both looking at each other and they just like knew that this was going to lead them to like a critical resolution of what had happened to Polly. Like they just knew in their gut. Yeah. Like they they hadn't found anything specifically connecting um, Polly's case to this suspicious guy, but they just knew. Yeah. So after the evidence after the evidence like of those odd items dana had found that dana had found um they were hold on this is where like i my my show notes i just i what did i type when was i trying to type was i having a brain fart <laughs> like me last was it last week or the week before where i was just like i don't even know what i wrote down anymore i know yeah oh okay so so the search um, began along the road of Dana's house to look for any signs of Polly. So from Pythian Road, and they like kind of work their way from the road into her property. And it's like the property's kind of like on this mountainside. And it took days searching the mountain. Like they called in like 25 or 30 search dogs, hoping they'd find Polly alive. And as investigators investigators further looked into that night the trespasser that was questioned of the trespasser that was questioned um they found out that the man's name was richard allen davis his criminal record revealed that he was on parole from an eight-year sentence for kidnapping oh this fucker 
since the 70s, he's been charged with multiple robberies, which escalated to kidnappings, assault with intent to rape, assault with a deadly weapon, burglaries, the list goes on. He has had multiple, multiple years of just like, you know, just since the 70s, now we're in the 90s, so 20 years of criminal. This is my problem with society. If he's been charged with that many things, if there's like more than like one <laughs> why the fuck is he still like out and yeah. about why is he uh, still like in society like so when i was watching like the fbi files um episode on this and they started talking about his criminal history the amount of mugshots this guy has had it's like he had a lookbook for like <laughs> Jeez. just like this is blue steel this is my this is my look here and it's just, like i'm like th- also, question, why was it only an eight-year sentence that he was paroled for? Yeah, seriously. After all the shit that he's done. I don't... The, I don't I know, mean, maybe, uh, like, this like, is... After like, watching would... after watching and going through true crime shit, like, I am so concerned for our, like, government and, like, the way that, like, our society is, like, built. Because, like, there are just so many weird loopholes. Mm-hmm. I just... I don't totally. Know. Yeah. So, um, I, I think I forgot to mention, um, back on the night of... Polly's abduction um, that around 4 a.m. when the two girls were taken to the station. So they were actually taken there to sit down with like a sketch artist mm-hmm. to get like for like the description of the man. And once they pulled up Richard Allen Davis's all of his like thousands of mug shots, um, they it like so matched the girl's description of the kidnapper, like almost like the sketch was almost just like did, a the, photocopy, did the girls have much. to look at the pictures? So they were called in to the station. So I'll I'll get to that. But I mean, they they never saw the pictures before they were asked to describe the guy. Okay. So just like Yeah, no, no. That. I yeah, yeah, no. I, yeah. I figured that. Yeah. So um so yeah, so when they started looking into like more info on um Richard Allen Davis, um they found out that his mother lived in Petaluma. Giving him reason to have been there. Yep. And they actually matched up the evidence of, like, so the girls were tied with strips of cloth. Like how I told you he was kind of improvising. He just kind of used on the fly, like, these strips of cloth. So uh, they were they were cut up with scissors. Yeah. Uh. So which showed intent, right? Yeah. And um, like a jigsaw, like they all fit together and the one of the strips of cloth that was found on the property at Dana's property also fit in along like they could tell it was from the same cloth along with the ties used uh, on the two girls at the slumber party um and so it proved that Polly had most likely been at Dana Jaffe's property that night and we know that Richard Allen Davis was of course there yeah um somehow not enough to bring him in on charges of kidnapping i think you know like police want to make sure they're gathering like really really good evidence like before they bring evidence some, yeah, they, solid yeah. evidence before they bring him in yeah um but can't they like couldn't they i mean if that if that uh sorry sorry to keep backtracking but like if if that um piece of garment had hair in it couldn't they use that in like the dna testing like did they not have that back then like couldn't they test her hair? Um, they definitely had DNA testing. I don't know if they had it possibly for hair, but I know that. I mean, um, those like lab tests they took a lot longer. I think yeah. back then. Yeah. Um, but 
but yeah so so yeah so like they didn't have enough to like bring him in to charge him right away for the kidnapping um so they kind of they figured they'd wait for an opportunity to get him into custody because he was on parole like let's see you know like let's see if he slips up like violates something on his parole but when they looked it up that he actually actually saw that um davis had an outstanding parole violation for a dui and so they decided to bring him in but he wasn't at his home when they went to go get him luckily there was a sheriff that was securing a perimeter around the area and he stopped the van and it was richard allen davis when the deputy realized who it was he called it in to the investigators like really calmly so yeah. the investigators were at the house right. And just kind of stalled him at the checkpoint um, without give you know, without giving him like a clue, um, and just kind of waited for the rest of the team to get on the scene. So Detective Meese arrived and asked Davis to step out of the van and informed him he was being arrested for violation of his parole. They brought in the two girls to see Davis in a lineup. And at this point, he no longer had a, the beard that he had had the night of the abduction, but they still really easily pointed him out nice. in the lineup as the man that Heck they saw yeah. that night. Good girls. Mm-hmm. Good girls. Yeah. They like right away. They're like, that's him. That's him. Um, and of course, he was questioned about the kidnapping and he just like extremely like denied any involvement. Just like totally denied ev- anything. Yeah, they always do. <laughs> yeah. So Detective Meese let him know that they had enough evidence to charge him with a kidnapping and that he if if he wanted to talk the door was open to see like to kind of entice him like you know if you come to us things will be easier yeah for of course they obviously because um, he was that. he was still in custody of course like he was going back to jail for violating his parole so they didn't have to worry about him being having on- to bring him back yeah. in like he was gonna be sitting tight in a yeah. cell mm-hmm um, but he just wasn't talking. So yeah, because Meese, at this point they still don't know whether or not she's alive or if she's dead. So they're trying exactly. to get him. They haven't. To, they haven't found Polly yet. Yeah, they haven't found her. So I mean, like so they don't I know what happened to her. Have an inkling as to where this is going, but they didn't yeah. really know yet. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So Meese just let him know, like the door's open. Um. You know, here's my card. Come chat with me. Um. Meanwhile, back in the FBI evidence lab, that palm print left on Polly's bed was being examined and compared to one that they had taken from Davis since his most recent arrest. Nice. And the prints matched. Heck. Successfully placing him in Polly's bedroom the night of the kidnapping. Yes. Yeah. That's it. So they had yes. him and the information went public that they had found their suspect and that they placed him at the scene. So since his parole violation arrest, he was in jail in isolation and he had not heard of anything about the palm print match um he had a friend that came in and visited him one day begging him to talk to the authorities and tell them where Polly was he continued to deny any involvement and then his friend told him what everyone else knew that the, there was the palm print match yep um now the only option left for davis was to try to strike up some sort of deal with the authorities and he meets with detective meese and tells him what happened that night like his account so uh, Richard Allen Davis was living in a halfway house, but he was able to get an overnight pass to go visit his mother in Petaluma. Unable to find her house, he had a few beers and walked around Polly's neighborhood and bought a joint from a man, I guess, just randomly on the street. Uh, he bought a joint, started smoking it. 
um, he got even more beer at a convenience store and continued to wander the neighborhood aimlessly. Um, not sure where he was or what he was doing. Like, quote from him. He's like, I was pretty buzzed. <laughs> I mean, I don't really like I'm not saying that he wasn't drinking, but like it's so frustrating to me when these guys that kidnap kids and like torture them and murder them. Uh, yeah. They 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 go on about how they had alcohol beforehand or drugs. Oh yeah, like beforehand. oh I just oh I didn't, you know it was just the drugs and mm-hmm. it was just the voices like like totally like displacing any blame. Yeah, they're on they're trying to like take it all away from them mm-hmm. themselves. It's just like yeah. that. I think is more infuriating and than as anything. his as his story develops. Like you can see that like obviously he's like trying to set it up for him to be as blameless as possible. However, you can do that with something like this. But anyway, so he's like, I don't know what I was doing, where I was going. Um, but we did know that he came prepared as even though he's like saying like, oh, it was like spur of the moment. I didn't I, I was uncontrollable or whatever. I mean, he he brought a bag that had cloth in it and scissors and tape and the cloth being you know cut in cut into pieces by scissors shows intent and i i think i made a mistake earlier like the strips of cloth were already um were already cut -cut. beforehand yeah they were pre-cut so like the cloth the pillowcases came from the bedroom but the cloth was pre-cut from him like he brought it to the scene right um so he ran he says that he randomly picked polly's uh polly class's house and sneaked in through a window and grabbed a knife from the kitchen. He says he only remembers hearing girls' voices and a TV, and then he claims to like that his memory blacks out after that. Liar. Um, he then claims that the next thing he knew, oh my God, the next thing I knew, next thing he knew, he was driving his car and was surprised to find a young girl sitting next to him. She was complaining that her hands were tingling and he loosened the bindings and was wondering what he had done and what he should do next like oh my god what have i done no bullshit bullshit i'm getting upset like i'm just i know here just I, like i know my heart is like racing because i don't want to know the truth but i i know. You know so he's like wondering what you know wondering what to do next he drove off to the side of the road and he gets his car stuck um he tried to release the car but when he realizes that his car is like really stuck there for good, he grabs Polly and carries her up a steep embankment up uh, about 30 yards away from the car. So this is at the point where he's reached Dana Jaffe's property. He said he planned to just leave her there in the darkness until he could figure out how to free his car. No, that's that's just a huge lie. He he murders her and buries her. And then, OK, go ahead. Go ahead. So, go ahead. The rest of his story matched witnesses' accounts. Um, and this is where fate is really cruel sometimes. This, this like pisses me off, but it's like, it just, it's like kind of like just fate as you have it. So at the time when deputies were with Davis on the side of Pythian Road, the polyclass kidnapping was just being broadcasted, broadcasted over police radios. But the deputies had their radios on a different frequency so they would not have heard it even if they were in their car. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So if they had been on the same frequency as where the broadcasts were going on, they would have been able to be like, well, this guy's suspicious. Let's see if it's connected. And probably would have, you know, probably would have gotten an answer to what happened much quicker. Oh my gosh. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, so when they ran his license that night on Pythian Road, um, the equipment they had in 1993 could only like give you like a cursory printout of like people's driving records. It wouldn't generate like anyone's criminal records. So he had no like driving record, like his driving record was fine. And they had no reason to think that he was like a past criminal, like a convicted criminal. Except their guts so- were telling them that. Mm-hmm. Like the guy's person. off, right? So unfortunately, like that night, as we know, they had nothing to really hold him on. Davis recalls the deputies helping him free his car and escorting him to the main freeway and says that he waited 15 or 30 minutes and returned to the site to find Polly and get her back in the car. He drove around with her and realized he had to get rid of her. And he did admit to killing Polly Class. Davis agreed to guide authorities to Polly's remains in a remote area of Cloverdale, which is like the northernmost kind of part of Sonoma County. And he led them to a field next to a lumber mill. And under some boards, they found the body of Polly Class. She had been strangled to to death. I hate this guy. This guy's the fucking worst. So the case wouldn't come to court until about 1996, during which Davis taunted Polly's family, claiming that Polly's last words were that her father molested her and extending both middle fingers at a courtroom camera. A jury would find Davis guilty of first degree murder and 10 counts of kidnapping, robbery, burglary, and attempting to commit a lewd act on a child. The latter, he continued to deny the entire trial. Judge Thomas Hastings sentenced Davis to death by lethal injection and said, quote, it is very easy for me to pronounce this sentence, given your revolting behavior in this courtroom. Well said. Yeah. Is he dead yeah. now? Because I would really hope that that's the case. Nope, he is not. So he's still rotting in jail, though? Mm-hmm. So um, deputies actually believe that despite Davis's testimony of how things had happened that night, that Polly was probably already dead at the no, time that, sure. that those deputies were he with was him. Try- um, he was trying to find Dana's a place property. to put her. Yeah. Yeah. Like- he was probably, yeah. Um, so he was sentenced to death and he continues to sit on death row at San Quentin prison. Oh, he's in San Quentin? He's in San Quentin. That's a, isn't that, that's in San Rafael. Yep. Or uh, Corte Madera kind of. Yeah, but it's in Marin. Yeah. No, it's a, it's like, like right, right before right the before, Richmond yeah, Bridge. I yeah. like mm-hmm. pass by that all the time. Oh yeah. I've passed it so many times. You can There's like so a dog like it, the funniest thing about that is yeah. that there's a dog beach right next to it. Yeah. And no, it's really wild because I've gone bird watching at this like kind of um uh I don't know, like this like kind of grassy area that's um kind of right on the bay mm-hmm. and it was kind of wild cuz I didn't really n- notice that San Quentin like it was right there and I had my binoculars because I was bird watching and I could like literally see like the prisoners like out in the yard. Uh, yeah. Um, it was kind of weird. I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm intruding, but fuck them. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just like a weird area um, to have a prison, to be honest with you. Like, yeah. To- yeah. So um, he has survived a drug overdose while in prison and he has had several attacks on him by other prisoners. So he's now in solitary confinement. Good. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I so unfortunately, like right now, our um as of uh, you know, April 20th, 2020, uh Gavin Newsom is our governor here in California, and he 
has like suspended executions for the duration of his administration. So this is kind of um, a little upsetting um, because uh, Mark Class, Polly's dad, um, he's been interviewed. He's like kind of enraged that this killer will probably outlive him. Like he's been wanting to be there for when they execute him. And he wants the last thing that Davis sees is Polly's dad's eyes, like Mark's eyes. And Mark is at an age and I think um, Davis is younger. So he's like, I, he's probably going to outlive me. And that like pisses me off. But also Mark does see how um, Gavin Newsom's views of, the death penalty like he's like it's fair but for me personally i want to see this guy die yeah no i you know? i totally understand that yeah like, i i do i i personally like like i'll say things like oh that guy should die or like you know he you know should get what he deserves mm-hmm. but when i think about like the death penalty and that kind of thing like i have like odd feelings about it like i yeah yeah you know it's a very polarizing kind of topic yeah it's but um it's hard you know departing from that there Despite this, like, really gruesome and grim story, just this really, really sad story of how, you know, what happened to Polly Class, she has been able to leave a legacy that has changed and improved how all missing persons cases are handled today, which has obviously saved thousands of lives. Law enforcement databases are now linked to different agencies providing vital information across jurisdictions. Missing persons bulletins are now sent out to all police channels. At routine pullovers and traffic stops, officers can now access not only driving histories, but criminal records as well. An implementation of the three strikes you're out legislation was a direct result of the case, as well as the push to expedite the appeals process in murder cases. And a foundation in Polly's name was established that aids the search for missing children. The Polly Class Foundation has helped for uh, helped um, more than 10,000 families find their missing children, and they have a 24-7, 365 hotline to assist families and police to find missing children. They are the national, national leaders in this field. Uh, they also help prevent children from going missing in the first place through free education programs, teaching children about abduction prevention skills, and teaching parents how to talk with their kids about personal safety. And I just want to say, if you'd like to learn more, donate, or volunteer for the Poly Class Foundation, you can visit their website at polyclass.org. That's P-O-L-L-Y-K-L-A-A-S.org. We'll put it in our show notes for you. Yeah. So it'll be there. But um, that is, if any, a silver lining that has come of um, Polly's abduction is that it, it really was a turning point to improve how people, how authorities handled uh, missing children cases. Um, Maria, this this was heavy. Like my stomach hurts. I'm so sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's yeah. Just, it's, man, I hope our I hope our listeners aren't like these. No, I don't like these stories. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I feel like was that like an hour? I feel like I've been. It was an hour. hour. It was you. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, we talked for like ten minutes maybe beforehand, and then I mean, was that we're at one 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 hour and two minutes now. Maybe in the show notes will be like warning the true crime portion is not a half hour. It's a full hour. No, it doesn't matter. Like, I honestly, I just feel like I totally let everybody down because I was like, I'm going to do this 
story and it's going to be awesome. And then I, like researching it has just been so tough. Like I can't find anything. So, so I'm just going to so tell intrigued. you what it like, is. Yeah, tell me. Okay. All right. I'll tell you. What, it's not It's not anything. It's like very, it's very short. So uh, my topic was the hauntings of Eight Mile Road in Stockton, California. Um, when I first viewed this, I thought it was going to be like an epic story and, and that there would be a lot of information on it. And I hope maybe one day I can go back and like get the actual information. But this is what I have. Okay, so there have been reports of three ghosts. The main ghost is... Oh, oh my God. This is where I'm getting chills already. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm like not even scared. I'm like, I'm so mad at myself. I'm like, fucking Melanie. I'm in a cold garage. <laughs> only accompanied by 5,000 boxes and like our survival supplies for this pandemic. <laughs> It's okay. Oh it's, okay. It, it'll Sorry. be really Continue. quick. It'll be really quick. Okay. okay so um, the first is the woman in white. This mm-hmm. ghost has been uh, described as male- malevolent. Um, oh, God. Yeah. If you see her spirit or if you pass by her and you look at her, she will appear <sighs> uh, in your rear view mirror. No. And if you see her in your rear view mirror, then she will end up in the backseat of your car. No, 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 no. If she ends up in the backseat of your car, you will end up in a car crash. Stop. Um, so I just have to describe like why I wanted to do Eight Mile Road and why these hauntings were so like intriguing to me is because whenever I drive past there, I always have this feeling. So this is in the Stockton area. Oh, yeah. This isn't. Oh, I should have said. Well, I did say that. I, I feel think. like there's a lot of eight mile roads like all over the place. Like yeah. everyone has their own eight this, mile This road. one's crazy. This one has. There are so many deaths. There's so many crashes over like just on <sighs> YouTube alone. Like it's like, oh, four months ago, two months ago. It's like two people, two people died in a car crash. You know, five people died in a car crash. Like oh there's God. there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of car crashes. Like I remember asking Andrew, I was like, um, have any has anybody died on i mean like is that why it's like haunted Do people die on that in that road and he's like uh how many days are in a year like <laughs> that was his response like oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god my dad just like abruptly <laughs> opened the door of the garage <laughs> just and immediately closed it oh, oh my god that's scary <laughs> so bad (laughs) 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 i'm like that's it (laughs) everyone thinks that like this is once at the end of this ghost story i won't be alive anymore this that was when i was like that's it this is when i die this was me like when you were talking about the blue boy i was like i'm this is it i'm done (laughs) okay so um uh, so yeah, so what I wanted to, d- 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 to describe was the role. <laughs> Guest appearance by Javier Ruiz. <laughs> okay, so Amal Road at night is pitch black. Mm-hmm. I think I described Ugh, this before, gross. like Stockton, Linden area, like there's just like a lot of farmland and there's just yeah. not a lot of lights. There's not a lot of street lamps. So What's that called? Like a no light town? It's ba- It's right? I don't know. 
I don't. I spooky, feel like that's a term. Creepy like, with, as fuck. Like, don't yeah. drive at night. <laughs> creepy as fuck road. <laughs> you know, well, that I idiom. mean, like a lot. There are a lot of lures when, like, there are a lot of lures about women in white, right? Like the ghost in white, the lady yeah, in white, the lady in red. Lot. Yeah, I don't know where this. I was like, I'm so psyched to find out why, and I, I just can't find out why, and I kept looking, like, why? And um, someone said, like, although I haven't seen this ghost, I will say that. A girl named Stephanie Jones did die in a car accident west of the map pinpoint on um, eight, mile, eight Mile Towards the Five by Bear Creek. Uh, if you go down the opposite way of Eight Mile, you'll eventually reach a turn, like a right turn. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess it says that there's like supposed to be like this older Victorian styled house, which is true. Like you will see that. Um, so, but this is the thing, like when I looked up the name Stephanie Jones, there's so many Joneses and there's so many, there are a ton of Stephanie Joneses that have passed away. I don't know who this person is referring to. And I, mm. I don't know. And this person, then he says the area is considered, um, colder than the usual, like colder than the surroundings, like near the orchards. Cause again, like it's farmland, there's a lot of orchards and trees. Um, he said, very scary area feels like some sort of demonic presence, uh, could be witchcraft or something else. See, I don't like that. Like, they're like, oh, it's witchcraft. Mm. It's like, it's probably not. It's probably just your eerie feeling because it's know. probably it's just your normal neighborhood demon. Yeah. <laughs> Everyday demon. It's fine. Um, <laughs> a token demon. <laughs> um, so that's the woman in white. Gross. That's the gross, gross, gross. Yeah, I that's... hate women in white stories. Well, I hate those. Like, I like, I like, I watched <sighs> videos. I watched four <gasps> different videos on on YouTube hoping to maybe see something to spot it to get like some kind of information on who she was. Um, there were there was a, a girl. Uh, the I mean, the videos aren't very good. <laughs> it's just like a lot of driving. Um, mm-hmm. That another thing that's stated is that there are there are two different Native American girls, right? There's one that's innocent. Uh, she'll mm-hmm. appear uh, during full moons, so she's like kind oh. of like more of like a like an innocent presence. But then there's another Native American girl who screams. Oh. And one of hmm. the videos that I watched uh, was basically just it's just like a video of just <laughs> I don't know how I watched this because I I always get super scared, but I did I got through it. Uh, it's just oh. of these guys in a car and they're like hollering at each other and then it gets really quiet and they hear a scream and oh, um, my God. it literally it is it's a woman's scream and then they all freak out like oh did you hear it blah 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 did you hear that you know so it's been rec- do they like hear it outside the car or you is it hear in it. the car you hear it. it's outside of the sc- outside of the car it literally it okay. literally sounds like a woman screaming oh my so, God so it's just interesting that they caught that on camera and um that it was so because it i mean they couldn't have replicated that it, it, they were being too rambunctious they were you know being too like uh scattered i don't think that they mm-hmm. could, i don't think it was like one of those setup videos you know mm-hmm. it was just these kids going down the road seeing if they could yeah. catch a ghost and they maybe happened to catch the the sound of it so oh my god that's I all just, i cannot <laughs> I have the chills <laughs> i'm getting are coming in non-stop waves i cannot wait until the shelter in place is over and we can do episodes together so I don't have to be alone in the room. I know these are pretty hard. I actually just because just because I'm so disappointed in myself and like the information that I found I'm like oh my gosh like I suck. I I didn't get anything. But then like I'm actually kind of happy because I had this experience and I want to share it with you on the podcast because I feel like you need to hear it and I I just feel like other people need to hear it cuz it was so I've had some experiences, but this was like 
this was an intense experience. And I Gross. think I told you, I told Andrew about it. I told Andrew about it Well, today. You, you did a little sneak peek about it in our, our yeah. Instagram story today. I mean, today. Very, it's a very small sneak sneak speak. Words are hard. Um, so, <laughs> so I'll just tell you what happened. So I think I've mentioned in previous episodes that like I have, uh, I have issues sleeping and I have sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was having a night terror. Uh, it was a really weird one. Um, it was like, Kaylin was in the living room and I was walking up to her and she was talking, but then her, the way she was talking sounded strange. Like she was being mm-hmm. possessed. Like she was yeah. talking about normal things, but then it sounded like that. I don't know how to describe it. It's like, it's almost like a, a voice on top of a voice on top of a voice. Oh, like the layered. Layered uh-huh. voice. Yeah. But then it got really yeah. deep. And um, to the point where I couldn't hear what, what she was saying anymore. It just sounded like mm-hmm. super creepy. And so mm-hmm. in the dream, I, I said aloud, um, uh, I said something uh, to the effect of, um, uh, okay, you need to stop it now or stop it now. And mm-hmm. when I said those words, I, I woke up in my room, like in the bed, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Andrew's sleeping next to me. And all I see is my curtain, but it's like pitch black because it's like oh pretty, pretty dark. And well, mm-hmm. it, I mean, I had a nightlight, but it was pretty like the curtain was pretty dark. And there was a faint outline of like a woman or a girl. Uh-huh. And <clears throat> it, I, I said like out loud to Andrew, I said, Andrew, you, you need to wake me up because I could feel that like I was awake, but I was still in kind of a per- paralysis state. And mm-hmm. Andrew's very good at helping me get out of those states. Mm-hmm. So I just, I said it and I think I was like real angry because I was like, I'm seeing this and I need to figure out what the fuck it is. Yeah. So I said it and then he was like, oh baby, what? Like, and as soon as he said that, as soon as I said it, uh, the figure kind of turned her head, <gasps> not at me, but like towards the wall and then, and then it vanished. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm just, I'm awake. I'm looking at the curtain. I'm trying to figure out what the heck I saw. I'm thinking about the way the figure looked. I'm like, it wasn't just like, it was not just like a, you know, a blurry, <clears throat> it mm-hmm. wasn't blurry. It didn't look like a face. Like it, you couldn't see the face. It looked like it was wearing, or it looked like she was wearing like a suit. Uh, like it had like a cat, like a. Like, it was only showing its eyes? No, you couldn't even or... see the eyes. It was almost oh. like, it was almost like. Like a, she ca- was wearing like a, a cape? Yeah, she was wearing a cape and either she had like her held her head, head down or it was covering her face too and, and it but it was tight. Oof. It kind of felt like I know this is going to sound so strange but it kind of felt like it was a suit built to camouflage. That's what it kind of felt like. Weird. Yeah, it was very strange. It was a very it was very strange uh feeling. And I didn't say anything to Andrew right away because I was just thinking like, well, maybe I, maybe like, you know, even though I've had experiences, you still kind of are in disbelief by what you've seen or what yeah. you're seeing. And because it was so clear, I kept thinking like, was it just a delusion? So, mm-hmm. I mean, and I so like, so I'm sitting there for like, I want to say 10 minutes just kind of pondering this. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm not going to be able to get back to sleep because I'm so like alert i wouldn't i would not sleep after that but i was so tired you have to understand like i was really tired so Mm -hmm. i started to kind of drift off to sleep and as i started to drift off to sleep like right before i fell asleep like in those in those tiny seconds before you actually start to like really drift off i heard a when and then immediately uh 
immediately after the person said when or the voice said when another voice cut in and they were like she's awake (gasps) oh my god yeah and and like that like popped me awake and I was like okay I'm never sleeping again I'm just never it's not gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) sleeping is canceled (laughs) so I I don't know why I don't know why dude. what the fuck I know for real like I wish I was making this up I wish it was just like I wish I could say like I'm just you know like you just shit happens when you're sleeping man like your brain just does like no like this is I I've only ever experienced one other time where I heard a voice and it was when I was researching this was in college years ago when I was researching sleep paralysis um and I had actually had no experiences for like the past like I want to say like I had gone a solid two years without experiencing any sleep paralysis so I was like Mm -hmm. oh I can do this I've had experience with it but I haven't had anything uh recently I'm going to look at like the logical like facts like how to prevent it from happening like all these things right so Mm -hmm. I was doing research on this topic for a couple weeks and then the day the day i'm supposed to give this presentation i have everything ready i've printed out i'm taking a nap before class and i have an episode and it's a bad one and i remember it was like in the middle of the day i'm on i'm sleeping uh kind of like on my belly mm-hmm. and um i couldn't see anything really like i could like i couldn't quite open my eyes but I could hear a voice and the voice was like, uh, just let go. Your, your soul is mine. And I remember <gasps> thinking like, oh, no. if I, if I don't get myself out of this sleep paralysis state, I'm fucked. Like, that's what I remember thinking. Like, cause it, it was this, this voice was so calm, but like menacing. Yeah. It was like, it wasn't, it wasn't so much that I was so scared. I wasn't really that scared of it. It was just like, I I just didn't understand it. Like, what does that mean? You know, like, was it trying to like, I don't know. It was, I, I'm still to this day, like, very confused by it. But it, those voices that I heard this morning mm-hmm. sounded nothing like that. But I'm just saying, like, it was the first time since that experience that I've heard something like that. And it was a totally different experience. And so, like, I just I don't understand. I don't understand, bitch. I don't oh my understand. God. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Ugh. Melanie, I don't envy you and your sleep paralysis. Well, like, I mean, like I, I mean, said, I've, I've, I've never... had some experiences with it, but you're just just you take the cake, man. Dude. Like, if anybody has any answers for me, please, like, please tell me what it is that I'm seeing and experiencing. Uh, was there anything else on 8 Mile Road or was that all that you were able Dude, to get? Dude, I'm was sorry. It? That was it. I'm actually kind of glad because uh, our episode is going to be so long if I keep going. Yeah. I mean, we, we both have so, we have like a plethora of experiences between us right. that we yeah. can, we'll have time to I, ju- I just feel know. bad because i went into this thinking that there was going to be this array of like information and i literally came up blank every time i searched like i just couldn't find anything on any of these ghosts so it was just really disappointing like mm. i mean i'm terrified of that lore of like going down eight mile yeah. and being like potentially seeing this this ghost but like i'm yeah. i'm just i want to know like who was it you know who was this person yeah yeah, yeah. So maybe we'll revisit it. Yeah, that's like how what I try to do with Blue Boy. Yeah. Um but yeah. But you were successful. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say 
<laughs> Sorry, I um, disappointed you, Maria. I <laughs> you did not. No, I was. I'm actually kind of having you, a panic. Just... I didn't sleep. <laughs> like, excuse me. I, I'm glad that we were able to like talk about your experience because I remember like this morning you're like, dude, I had this experience. Should I tell you now? And I'm like, no, save it for the podcast. I know. I'm I was just, like waiting all day to hear about this story. Yeah. That sorry. I'm just sorry. last night. Folks. Yeah. I'm sorry that it like that it was. I don't know. Is it not good enough? I'm sorry for like monopolizing the time. For no, this. dude. That story uh, was heavy. It's, it, it was, was heavy. heavy. There's like a lot of things that happen. It'll be and- a good like if you like true crime this episode's for you totally yeah yeah totally um wow well that's our episode yep i think we're gonna call it Mm -hmm. um thank you so much for yeah we're gonna take a break eat some dinner record the next episode but thanks for joining us today guys um it's been witchy it has been been creepy and creepy as fuck we're tired um if you are still <laughs> with us congratulations <laughs> you've made point. it to the end <laughs> uh please give us um a yep. listen on subscribe on apple Podcasts, <laughs> okay. spotify anywhere you listen to podcasts hit that subscribe button please leave us a review Please, please, it'll help our standing. Not about this one, though. Not about this episode. But hey, if you're a huge fan of true crime and you like this episode, I mean, this one was the episode for you. But please do tune in for our future episodes because we just cover so many different topics. Yeah, sorry, I failed you. stories to witchiness. So we kind of flip-flop between witchy spiritual and true crime crime ghost stories. Um, So give us a follow as well. Follow us on our social channels. You can't we see are- me. I'm making hand motions. <laughs> uh, finger guns. Finger guns. Follow yeah. us. Yeah. So follow us. We are at the new witches on both Instagram and Twitter. Find our Facebook page, the new witches podcast. And you can email us at the new witches at gmail.com. Um, if you email us your creepy, witchy, paranormal, true crime story, whatever it is, just tell us your personal stories. We will feature it in an episode. We do listeners episodes every 13th of the month. That's coming up. Um, and what else? Oh, we are on Patreon. Yes. We're on Patreon. We set that up. I actually, I'm about to finish the first blog post. How exciting. Awesome. Yeah. So please do support us. It really helps us. We put this, epi- like this podcast, it's so much work. It really does help us like create, keep creating content for you. Um, my only other job besides this is, uh, freelance. So if you guys want to contribute, help help a mom out. Yeah. For real. I mean, you know, no pressure. I'm not a mom, but but she's a mom. (laughs) Help, help my Starbucks fund (laughs) pitch in, please, (laughs) please. Honestly, it would be so appreciated, but you can find us on Patreon. I think it's, we're going to have a lot of content on there for you. So like if you do, if you do exclusive uh, content, exclusive content, and you'll get a cute, like handwritten thank you note from us. Yeah. It'll be like super cute and sweet. And we'll love you forever. Forever. And you'll be part of our, uh, close friends, um, group on Facebook, Instagram to see like super, yeah, Instagram. So see like super exclusive content on not just Patreon, but also like see our exclusive like patrons only this is, like this is why you do stories. the marketing and I don't yeah I cannot I just I don't know anything I'm like what okay but yeah our Patreon is patreon.com/slash the new witches 
Um, we got pretty lucky for just kind of the new witches everywhere. Visit our website, thenewwitches.com. We also have a contact form there if you have a question or if you'd like to submit your um, personal listener story there as well. So thank you for joining us, y'all. We'll see you next time. Stay witchy. Bye. Bye.